Today, we're going to talk about title fraud. So let's get into it. Hey everyone, I'm here with Eric Schroeder. Eric works for Fidelity National Title, and he is going to help us work through some questions that a lot of people have when it comes to title fraud. So without any further ado, let's get into it, Eric. First of all, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. So, yeah, so we're going to start out with uh, like understanding fraud. So can you explain to me what title fraud is and how it typically occurs? Sure. Yeah, so title fraud is essentially where either a criminal or potentially an enterprise of criminals uh, pose as uh, owner of real estate uh, and essentially steal the title to the property from an unsuspecting owner. And there's a couple of ways that happens. What we used to see um, before what's become more popular these days is we used to see situations where criminals would record deeds that were fraudulent. And they would literally transfer the title out of an unsuspecting person's name into their name as the criminal. Then they would operate as if that property were their own because they had title to it. And they would go, let's say, to a bank uh, and get a loan uh, off on that property, take all of the proceeds, never make payments, walk away from it. That was popular. Then you would see situations where they would do the same thing with recording a deed. They would acquire title. And then they would list the property for sale sell the property. It's their property now, allegedly, right? Uh, they would get the proceeds. They would walk away, right? Well, then they figured out that it was just easier. They didn't have to go through any of that. They could still, still pretend that they're the owner and they can get an unsuspecting real estate agent to help them sell this property to an unsuspecting buyer who then enters into an agreement. They open escrow and they continue to pose as the owner of this property throughout the course of the transaction. Their goal is not to acquire use of the property. Their goal is to simply see the closing through to the end so they can have all the net proceeds sent to them. And the unfortunate part is that the actual owner of the property will never have any idea that it happened unless they get some help. And that's where real estate professionals like yourself, uh, escrow and title professionals like us, can come into play and help fight. Well, you know, that seems kind of strange. You would think there would be like checks and balances for stuff like that, right? Yeah. Tell the, me why that doesn't happen. So it's getting better. I think I think the problem initially was um, that you know we're we're such a society and an industry that has relied heavily on technology, mm -hmm. and we continue to push the envelope with technology to create convenience and security. Yeah. The challenge is is that we have taken the human face-to-face -face interaction many times out of the equation. And so in the old days, you could rely upon someone having an identification that had their picture, that had their physical description, and you could be reasonably sure that you were dealing with the right person. Well, nowadays, it's not uncommon for people to never see each other when they're doing business. I've seen situations where the only form of communication that has happened between everybody in a deal has been email. So, um, you know, professionals like myself, professionals like yourself, we see these things happen a few times. We start to understand the importances of having additional checks and balances in place. But even then it's difficult, right? I mean, if you can't physically see somebody, if you don't know them, if you don't know somebody that knows them, how do you really know it's them? And so that's been the dilemma for us as uh, escrow and title professionals is when we get in these transactions where it looks like it potentially 
could be an instance of fraud, you know, the work that we have to try to do to verify that the people who are trying to sell these properties are the actual people that own it. And so things that we have uh, started to, you know, put into place over the last couple of years um, are really educating our employees on looking for red flags, right? Looking for things that when you see them, it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong, but it causes you maybe to ask some additional questions or to do some additional research. Uh, the popular thing that we, we, have, we had seen in, in the beginning and, and, and really continue to today is these criminals select most of the time a specific kind of property to target. And the real popular ones are vacant land parcels and then properties that are not occupied by anybody. And if you think about it, that makes some sense, especially when they go on and they search Pima County. Uh, well, well, we'll limit it to Pima County, but they go on to search county records. They find properties that are owned by folks and it has an address as to where the county sends their tax bill. They'll see that that address is somewhere else. So when you add that and the fact that the property is vacant or not occupied, it creates a, good, a, a, a high value target for the criminal because the actual owner is not in town. Interesting. So, so yeah, yeah, it so, is interesting. So let's, and that'll lead me into to the, what I'm going to call a recent trends question is that have there ever, has there been any new or emerging types of trends that you're seeing in the industry and in, in uh, real estate fraud that especially given we have like digital things, like you said, but then we also have this AI. Right. So how, how are you protecting the people with what's coming down the road? We talk about avatars where avatars could be and send a video to a title rep. Hey, I'm Jack Jones. I own one, two, three Primrose Lane. This is me. You can send the paperwork out. Right. It's like it's, we're really, really at a disadvantage here yeah. with technology. Uh, I think it's a little early to tell the exact impact the use of AI will have, if any. I believe what little I know about it leads to believe that it could be a benefit to these criminals. Um, the thing that really makes a criminal successful when trying to do this is being as educated about all of the facts associated with not only the property, the owners and the transaction itself. If you think about it, it's not really title fraud. It's it's almost identity fraud because the way that they achieve the title fraud is by achieving that they are someone they're not. And so to your point, how does uh, someone in our position know for sure? And that is a real challenge. Um, we, we adopted a policy last year where anytime we see a transaction wherein the property is not occupied or it's vacant, we immediately draft a letter and we deliver it to the address on the tax records via Federal Express. Okay. And it congratulates them on the sale of their house, thanks them for choosing to work with us, but it also includes a call to action. If this letter is not something you were expecting and you were not selling your property, please call me immediately. And we have, we have gotten some calls, which has been good. Interesting. When, when we first adopted the policy, we were sending it out in the mail. That mail, you just can't rely upon it. Uh, you can't guarantee that it'll even get there. Yeah, timing is... Half the time it goes in a round, round file, right? I know, but we'll talk about that too probably a little bit later on how, how ways people can, uh, can try to prevent themselves from being a victim. But I think that you know, we may almost have to go back to, 
scrutinizing our mail a little bit because I think what ends up happening is, you know, people be, fall prey to uh, having their identity stolen. And there may be some, some little uh, evidence of that that may come in your mail. And if you're like me and you just chuck it in the round file, which I'm guilty of, me too. you know, you, you could end up missing the fact that, you know, credit cards got opened in your name, you know, yeah, things of that nature. So, uh, to go back, the letter's helpful. Um, you know, we, we try our best to have phone conversations with the actual owner, but the challenge is, is how do you know it's them? You know, you're given contact information by, by somebody. Let's say it's them. Well, if they're giving you the contact information and they're criminals, that's worthless to you. So we end up uh, using the internet a lot. Um, you know, we'll take the information that we do have to our disposal, you know, whatever address they have in their tax records. Um, and we kind of have learned to become little internet sleuths. There's a lot on the internet. Yes. Uh, I try to have my employees not necessarily go down that rabbit hole on their own because it's time consuming. But what I'll say is if any of these transactions, it appears that, you know, well, we want to definitely verify for sure with as much certainty as possible that we have the right people involved. So I'll just say to our employees, hey, you know, let, let our upper leadership do the heavy lifting on that. You give me the info, I'll take the time, or my escrow operations manager will take the time. You know, we'll scour social media, you know, LinkedIn. There's a lot of stuff on the, a lot of people have more about them on the internet than you would think. Uh, we'll use skip trace software as well. Um, I have found that probably nine times out of 10, I can probably find who I think is the actual owner somewhere. And then it becomes, do, do you have a phone number for that? I mean, I, I have called people at their place of work because I thought it was them. There was enough on the internet that says, you know what, this, this person is, is who I think owns this. So I'll call them up and be like, Hey, are you, know, are you, are you selling real estate? No, no, really? Oh, is this it? Yeah, that's me. You know, so the, it, it kind of goes back to, um, we, we can only work with what we have but we really do have to exhaust every option to try to ensure that, that we are dealing with who we're dealing with. And unfortunately for real estate professionals, they're, they're sort of in the same boat now. There's not necessarily an onus on you as a real estate agent to, to play the internet sleuth or to be the, the private investigator. I would never suggest that. But I would say that um, the more that as an industry, we all can get together on trying to do whatever we can to gain as much information about the people that are involved that would be helpful. Oftentimes it's just a matter of asking these people facts about the property itself. You know, like, well, where is it? How do you get there? Uh, what's it look like around there? Um, when did you buy it? What'd you buy it for? Do you remember who, what agent did you use? I mean, sometimes you can start to ask questions. And again, if they're, if they're a, a really exceptional criminal and they have their life history, maybe they pass all those tests, but there are, there are ways that, that you can, you can, you know, start maybe painting a picture for a criminal to get kind of back them into a corner. Yeah. And maybe they'll, they'll answer something wrong and you'll go, wait a minute, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable with this. Yeah. So, so what are some of the red flags that you're looking for? I mean, you gave me yeah. a, a little bit, what are the big ones that like, this definitely is fraud? Uh, whew, definitely fraud. So that's challenging. I mean, you used to be able to see them, um, you know, criminals when they, when they, when they first started trying the first real estate scam that was real big was they were trying to divert people's wire transfers, right? So, you know, you'd have a buyer you're representing and all of a sudden they'd get an email from what looked like you or maybe me as the escrow agent and say, hey, congratulations on your closing. Um, you know, you need to send the money. You need to send it to here. Of course, the, they were asking them to send the money to a criminal's account. But when they first started doing that, the type of emails they composed, 
the grammar was bad. It, it didn't it didn't sound like you know us talking, and they were easier to spot. Well, um, nowadays they're much more sophisticated. Most of these criminals we found uh, are housed in other countries usually, but they enlist the assistance of people in the United States to help them all the time. So we'll have people that are acting as the front man uh, who could be even American citizens or people that speak good English or what have you. And uh, the the actual criminals are in you know uh, Nigeria, per se. Are most of those people that they're enlisting the help on oblivious to what's going on or part of the game and getting the cut of the pie? You know, I mean, I've, I've heard of instances where they involved an elderly person and she she may really have not seen it. But I would say most of the time they're part of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, it's, uh, it's, it's really difficult to spot because you have people now that, I went back to the one I was talking about, the uh, identification. Pretty much every ID in the country can be forged. Yeah to almost an identical to, to the actual identification. So you have criminals nowadays that um, we, we used to use the notary process as sort of the last line of defense. You, know, you come to closing, you had the right ID, you look at the person. Well, now we have criminals that are going to closing tables with the ID that matches what they look like and it has the name that you're associated with it. And so... Um, to go back to your question about red flags, I mean the big one, obviously, if, if it's vacant or or unoccupied, it's not necessarily a red flag, but we have a protocol now. You know, we need, we need to ver- we definitely need to make sure that we're dealing with the seller. Um, if there's been recent changes with the Pima County Assessor for that tax mailing address, that's a red flag, because unfortunately, um, it's they're working on this. I'll give I'll give the county. Uh, credit that they're working on trying to help fight this as well and making it more difficult to be able to go change records with them. But up until then, it was just a matter of filling out a form and sending it in. There was no real check about ID or anything, not that I'm aware of anyway. And so that's always something that'll raise our eyebrows a little bit. Um, if if the if the people involved insist on communicating via email only, that's weird. Um, that that's happening a little bit less now. Now criminals are a little, like I said, they're enlisting people that can can do a good job pretending they're somebody they're not. So phone and text. Um, if they refuse to sign anything other than electronically, not necessarily a deal breaker, but it's interesting. They, they refuse to do anything else other than electronically. Hey everyone, we want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams Southern Arizona franchise. We are also realtors practicing equal housing. Now let's get you back to the podcast. If if the person who is claiming to be the seller is in another country, uh, not insurmountable, but the challenge is, is that every country has differences in what they uh, have stipulated as their notary process. And so in some countries, we have a very, very high level of comfort in that process. In many countries, we don't. And so that in itself can be a challenge. Um, like I said, a lot of the a lot of the criminals I've found are, are operating out of the Africa region or China. Um, we've had some in the Middle East. You know, there there are just some countries that uh, are also uh, associated with um, been labeled as companies that may uh, countries that may be involved in terrorism. So then there are issues related to uh, obtaining proper notary for us sometimes, especially if we want to use remote online notary software. Uh, and that's another whole 
aspect, remote online notary. That was that was supposed to be the the greatest invention for our industry. And I think if it's used properly, it, it it's it's okay. But again, you're taking away, you're just removing every every level of the face to face interaction for convenience at at the behest of uh, security and many. I mean, do you think there's ever going to be um, like steps taken for individuals to protect themselves from becoming victims? Like, okay, here's my deed and here's my fingerprint. I like the so I was actually going to talk about that. So, I I, I do think that. Uh, there, there would be some benefit if there were some changes that were made, and it may require legislation uh, on on the process of uh, related to the notary itself. Um, you know, California requires a thumbprint. The problem is they require you put your thumbprint in a book, right? Um, and what does that do? Like, there's no real time database associated with it. I don't. I guess that's called biometric uh, identification. And again, it kind of goes down to whether or not, you know, you feel you're comfortable with having. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people would resent the fact that there are fingerprints out there. Right. And and is is it a digital fingerprint, right? And can that be scammed away? So now they've got. Right. They so got do, your digital. Yes. So that's print. the thing. Uh, you know, I, I almost feel like, you know, it, 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 if they could come up with a way to to include something of that nature in the process, at least as it pertains to acquiring and transferring real estate, it could be helpful, you know, in, in lieu of the biometric identification piece, uh-huh. there is something that is utilized with remote online notarization that is called dynamic knowledge-based identification. And the idea behind it is that before you actually sit in front of the notary on the screen, you are sent a uh, session to log in and you have to answer questions about your credit history that only you should know. So not only do you have your identification that you have to present, but you also have to know quite a bit about this person and their credit history. Uh, You probably have, have had some, you know, in your own dealings in life have had vendors who require similar challenges. There's also other ones where they don't, they don't do credit. They'll do, um, questions that only they should know, like, you know, what's your mother's maiden name? What city were you born? What was your first job? That kind of stuff. I think adding some extra level like that, at least, at least the very least as it relates to uh, real estate transactions, um, would be helpful. And that's where I think remote online notary could be good. The problem is that is not regulated. So the law sets forth the, the stipulations for how to use remote online notary, and you have to use certain vendors. The challenge is that the Pima, the Pima County Recorder, if they get a document that has all the proper signatures and seals, they don't vet how they were acquired. It's not their job. Right. They just they just they just vet that it meets the requirements to set forth to record the document. So then you're requiring on uh, your you know your your uh, your uh, leaning on or the fact or relying on the fact that whoever performed that notarization did it properly. We had a transaction, unfortunately, a couple of years ago here that we enlisted a vendor for a third party notary set, a third, a third party remote online notary session. And unfortunately, um, it wasn't done properly. And so part of 
having that remote online notary is that a video recording of the session has taken place. And I went back and looked at it and it was pretty bad. Like it was pretty easy to see there was something wrong there. Yeah. And so again, that goes back to, does there need to be more stringent requirements to be a notary? Maybe, maybe at least as it pertains to real estate transactions. Uh, I think notary is important, but unfortunately, anytime you have humans involved, we have seen that, yeah. you know, there's that element for for criminality that can creep in. So what measures are, you know, being taken right now for the legitimacy of a transaction? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we try to we try to do the best we can, like I said, to find the actual owner. If we if we can't, through all of the resources I mentioned, find the actual owner, we probably will resign from the transaction. We'll just say, hey, you know, we don't we don't have a comfort level here. You know, either using the using the internet, using the skip trace software. Um, I mean, I've even found situations where I've I've been able to identify people that I believed were relatives of the person because I couldn't find that person. And you got to be careful with that because transactions are private in nature. So you can't call up somebody you think might be their brother and say, hey, they're selling this property. Is it them? But you can call them up and say, hey, I'm, in, I'm involved in, in something. And, and, and I think it's potential that you're, you know, first I asked them, hey, are, are, are you related to this person? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I had, I had that happen on one of our transactions where the, the, elderly, the elderly lady was a victim of this uh, fraud. And I couldn't, I couldn't find her. She, she, didn't, uh, she didn't respond to the letter that we sent. And uh, I couldn't find a good phone number for her. And uh, I actually even went, got in the car and I went, she, her address on, on the assessor's records was here in Tucson. So I went and I drove to the house. I'm like, I'm going to knock on the door. And so I did. I knocked on the door and then I looked down at the ground and I saw my letter. It had been sitting there for four or five days because there was nobody at the house. So long story short, I, I did some investigating on the internet and I found a bunch of people with similar names and then I started looking at their Facebook posts and they were tagging this woman with that name, calling her mom. So I just took a chance and reached out to them and they got back to me and they're like, yeah, that is, I'll have her call you. And she called me and she's like, no, I'm not trying to sell my land. Oh my goodness. You know? And then the challenge for us then is these people are clearly very concerned that they're, they're a potential victim. And then they look to us to help them with what to do about that. And unfortunately, there's not much we can do about that. We, we simply have to resign from the transaction. We let them know. And then we say, hey, you know, you can call, you can contact the police. Um, you can let the FBI know. But uh, uh, unfortunately, as a title company or an escrow, escrow and title company, we don't, we don't get involved in the, the policing or the going after. So the is there a way to have the county be alerted to the attempt on my property that it's going or somebody's trying to acquire it? Without my knowledge, so I will tell you that I've been part of a I've been part of like a task force that's been meeting for the last three or four months. Okay, it includes members from TAR, AAR, various county uh, departments. Um, it also includes some people in in uh, state government, and we've been trying to tackle uh, this problem. And it's 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 a problem that probably can't completely be tackled, but. We're trying to come up with best practices and maybe even uh, encourage some legislative legislative change. More related, as I said, my concerns are associated with the notary. But um, there's there's really there's really no way for the county to notify somebody of a pending transaction 
unless some systems were put in place to require a company like mine to go in there and tell them. Now, that would be a fantastic system. Like if I thought there was an issue or potentially could be an issue, if there was a place I could go and make an inquiry and then they would alert the real owner, that would be beautiful. Uh, maybe that's down the road. Right now, the only system that they have implemented in, into place, which I think is good, is that they're what they call their fraud guard alert system. Okay. The challenge with that is you, you sign up for it. It's elective. It's not required. And if something is recorded that ha is associated with your name, you will get an alert. Okay. Kind of like uh, those um, credit protection agencies. Yeah. But in, in, the inherent problem with that is if something was recorded, it's too late. Yeah. So to your question, is there a way to alert somebody before it happens? Not at this time. But I'm hopeful that now that you said that, I was just thinking that that would be that would be really neat if if somebody could come up with some sort of way, some some private industry, and yeah. then sell the software to the counties. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't doubt maybe somebody's working on that. I don't know, but that'd be a good idea. Be cool. It would be. Well, Eric, I want to thank you very much for coming in and helping us get at least a a, a generalized understanding of what a title fraud is. Absolutely. And that we should probably check on a regular basis that things are good, like maybe once a year, call a real estate agent or even a title company and say, hey, is this property in my name still? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be kind good. Kind of like changing your batteries out in your smoke Actually, detector. Absolutely. And another thing I would do is, you know, if you have property, especially property that you don't uh, occupy, whether it's land or, uh, or maybe a vacant residence, you know, if you have the ability to, to periodically visit the site, that's ideal. Okay. Because, you know, somebody could throw a for sale sign up in front of that thing and, and close quickly and take it down before you ever knew. So if you can't do that in lieu of that, you know, maybe you get to know your neighbors a little bit and you say, hey, yeah, I have no intention on selling that thing. If you ever see any weird activity or any activity at all, you know, please just call me, you know. Um and then also, yeah, keep checking your your uh, county records. I, I think I think the county is going to come up with a system also that will alert you if somebody makes a, a change to the address. So I think in closing, there there are some things that are being worked on actively by various members of our industry to make things better. But to your point, um, the more you can do as an owner to just be aware of that, check on your property, check on the things you know about yourself, open your mail doesn't look like it belongs there, especially if somebody opened an account or something in your name. Um, and hang on, you know, just hang on to your to your personal information the best you can. That's what I would say. Great, Eric. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate and it. And anybody, if you're looking to sell your house and you need a title company, come to Fidelity. They're Thank the you. best. Absolutely. Until next week, have a great day. Thank you for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team of Keller Williams, Southern Arizona. If you are interested in buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, we have 5,000 agents across the country that we can connect you to. If you need any free resources, feel free to check out our website at www.thetjkteam.com. We hope you have a great day.